This is Mostly Joe, host of Meanwhile, the Super Gaming Podcast, and co-host of Holocron. And I never listen to the Order 66 podcast because I'm too busy with the other two podcasts. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Execute Order 66. Howdy Gamer Nation, it's Friday. Beautiful Friday. This is December 19th, 2008. Welcome back to the Order 66 podcast. This is episode number 47, the last episode before Christmas. And those of you in the chat room, all 47 of you, thank you very much for joining us. can see me in my Santa cap. And Chris, well, he did have another cap on, but he will soon. Mr. My Stevie Ray Vaughan hat, it does not fit over my uh, my headphones. Yeah, you know. Therefore, therefore it is very, very painful and and not comfortable to wear well you know what are you gonna do right not much you can do dave no i mean yeah. nothing you can do except another hat yeah well i'll tell you what christmas is coming buddy now you know what to get me christmas time is here time yes. and time for here and time for cheer yep 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 Wah. although you know i've got a uh, i've got a schizophrenic aunt who uh sings the uh a christmas carol that uh she changed it, and uh, it, 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 it's now, do you hear what I hear? And, you know, it's just a little bit different. Wow. I've got an obsessive-compulsive cousin. He likes to sing jingle bells, 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 <laughs> jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells. Yep. What about a paranoia one? What about one for, like, a paranoid person? Santa Claus is coming to town to get me. Very, very nice. Yep. I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. All right. Well, you know, I mean, without further ado, I suppose. Yes. Well, it is announcement time, but uh, let me start by saying welcome to the Order 66 podcast. I already said it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm GM Chris. What is up, Gamer Nation? And uh, GM Dave yet again failed to introduce himself. Did not. He did. I think you're, I think you're just uh, traumatized by Brev. Dude, you've been traumatized too, man. It's just nuts. You can, you guys, you guys can go. We'll, we'll take this announcement first. It's kind of out of order. You know, obviously those of us that are in the, those that are in the chat room right now can see this live vidcast as we record. And GM Brev is over at my house playing Killer Bunnies with my wife and his wife. And um, yeah, right before the podcast started, he ran in here with no shirt on and shook his man boobs in my face, and it was very pathetic, tra- tra- traumatizing. To say yeah. the least. I'm, yeah. I'm, God, I'm still. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna be lying life. in bed tonight. And I'm gonna just I'm gonna just be staring at the ceiling, and I'm gonna do one of those full body shivers. You know what I mean? <laughs> <sighs> oh, no. You'll have nightmares for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And there. And then. And there. All right. So guess what, Gamer Nation? Um, Episode number one, which is really number two of Game On, is going to be up uh, in just a matter of a couple of days. 
And we have uh, more exciting news that episode number two of Meanwhile, the Super Gaming Podcast with Most Lijo is up and available for download as we speak. And, and, and a super interview, right? Yes, go ahead with that information since you're so excited. I'm excited. I haven't even heard it yet. I can't wait to hear it. Um, special edition uh, episode uh, episode one of, of the special edition of um, Meanwhile um, is up where uh, Mostly Joe got to interview Shane Ivey of Arc Dream Publishing, which is hard. Yep. So, um, uh-huh. I can't wait to hear it. It's going to hey, be awesome. Hey, man. Yeah. 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 It's going to be very awesome. So, okay. As we, get, as we uh, start planning for episode 50 which uh, has a dual significance. One, it's 50. It's a nice round number. So actually, oh, yeah. uh, there's like yeah. three There's like three different significances. I. And... Significai? Significai. I don't, I don't know. I'm half, I'm, I'm half drunk from this uh, drink that I made for myself earlier. Yes, yes. You're rather verbose, I will say. Ah, but it's good and it's yummy. And I feel great. Okay. <laughs> As we get ready for episode 50, which has a uh, myriad of uh, significances, uh, Zai. First, it's episode 50. You know, nice round number, right? Oh, yeah. Second, it's the one-year episode. It is the one-year episode, one-year anniversary of the Order 66 podcast, and so we want to celebrate. So we're asking for special bumpers between now and then that I will not play until the one year mark if you guys want to say hey good job whatever i don't care i'm not even going to ask you what to say just make sure and mark it that it is a special thing that you want played on the one year episode Word. So we're lining up guests we're trying well, hopefully at the very least we will have sam we will have sterling we will have uh, of course rodney um and look we'll at that try son have, of, you, have, uh, you, have you been communicating with rodney about this yet no, not really. Raise a glass, right. lads, and I'll drink with you right here. Woo! It's like, well, we're going to have Rodney on. I'm like, really? Have we, we talked to him about that? Well, you uh, know, it's about three weeks away. Hopefully <laughs> hopefully he can do it. And if he can, I'm just going to look like a schmuck anyway. Well, Dave, that's every show. You don't need to worry about that. I know, I know, I know. But, just, you know, At this hey, point, it's your severity of hey, schmuck. If, if, if Rodney can't make it, I'm, I'm very hopeful that we'll have uh, Felicia on. Because well, I nice. have been talking back and forth with him quite a while. Hot chick on the podcast is always good. That's right. Because that's the way we roll here on the Order Says the Six podcast. Get your yeah. picks. Yes, on Order 66. But you guys can record your bumpers, as Dave said, and you can, of course, email them to us, gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. You can also call them in at the Lusa line, Dave, which is? Area code 206-600-5800. Seven two. L-U-S-A. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yep, beautiful. Okay, so, hey, what else we got? Swag. Uh, swag. Well, actually, I want to talk to you about swag, Dave, because uh, since we have a brand new website up and running, I noticed there's absolutely no link on it to purchase swag anywhere. Uh, that's because you're not looking very well. Okay, then you need to tell me where, man, because I, 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 lo- I ain't see it, man. I ain't um, see it, I ain't looking here. Okay, it's right. on the right side over there. I'll I'll try and make it a little bit more visible. Okay. I'll try I'll try and make it much more visible because I need to uh, I also need to uh, expose the link for audible.com our newest sponsor. Uh, Go download your free audiobook from audible.com. 
Okay, well, okay, there, there we go. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't see it. I see, I see the feeds. I see, I see D20 Radio downloads where you can download a lot of stuff contributed by our community, um, including it's a couple modules. Supposed to be right under that before the podcast yes. started. Supposed to be right under that. If it's not there, then I made a boo boo. I'll fix yeah, it's it. Not there. I'll fix it. Okay, you fix it. <laughs> Either way, the new site looks fantastic. You've done a great job. A lot of you may have noticed our forums have changed recently, as well as our main site. Uh, Big Dave has been working his butt off and putting together something that looks rather amazing. We've been expanding our little hub and our little universe, and uh, also switching, uh, if I'm not mistaken, hosting providers to allow us to uh, do more for less, basically. Yeah. Funny thing is, somebody posted in the forums like, hey, man, you got to watch out for these guys and because they'll mess up your database. And then, like, the next day, our database got messed up. Yeah, but I remember it, that. It just so happens that Dave has database skills, so I got it back going real quick. Got some, you got some mad skills. Yeah. Oh my God. Pretty much my favorite animal. Oh, my God. I'm going to have but to anyway, refill you, this drink. You guys, yeah. You guys are going to want to go to the main site, and you're going to want to take a look at the D20 Radio swag link because the holidays are here, and absolutely nothing says Santa shot first like a D20 Radio t-shirt. Santa and shot first. You're going to want to get one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And last announcement, dude. Um, it's up there on the forums right now. I announced this last week. We've got a brand new contest going on. Uh, kind of. I want you, or more specifically, I want your NPCs. Um, I'm looking uh, to the Gamer Nation uh, for help shaping the NPCs of my current flagship campaign. Okay. And, uh, uh, the, the, the details are all out there on the forums right now at d20radio.com slash forum. So I'm looking for NPCs of various types from levels 10 to 20. And the winner of this particular contest will receive from me, I will purchase it and mail it to you, Liar. a D20 Radio t-shirt. Okay. Fantastic. You heard it here first. Hey, music's over. Right on time. <laughs> How about that? It's exciting. It's exciting. It's wonderful. It's amazing. We should all be excited. I'm excited. Of course. Absolutely. Right. The moobs of wrath. Okay. Wrath. Not sure what that meant, but hey, whatever you say. Hey, where do you go? What are you going to do? Uh, well, dude, we're going to move on, I guess, and we're going to talk about I, mail. I, we are going to talk about some mail here. I went up to my uh, post office box today, and I did happen to get a postcard a little early, which uh, makes me happy, from our good friend, Commander Cody. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, this uh, cobbled together postcard, it looks like it might once have been a postcard from somewhere else, but it's been erased, uh, stripped, redesigned, and resold. (laughs) It it has a patchwork quality to it and a picture of a small white planet with tons of orbital debris organized in neat clusters about it. And the caption reads, Welcome to Score 2, Trader. Squib King welcomes you to mighty Metro Big City, where greatest deal find you, you bet! From across the galaxy, it's time for Postcards from Commander Cody. Dear GM Dave and GM Chris, Greetings, guys. I'll write to you this week from the Almighty Insector and the Squib home world of Score 2. I can honestly tell you this is the last place I want to be. I didn't have the, well, best of luck at the Alina Classic, and neither did the men. Suffice it to say, we managed to lose our cruiser's hyperdrive, thanks to a dug with a hydro spinner who took out the number one chance in the race. My clone instructor always told me gambling was a bad idea. I'm desperate for hot command not to find out. 
So we've managed to use our backup hyperdrive to limp along the outer rim to the one place where I hope we can locate a replacement hyperdrive. The homeworld of the filthy, conniving little jump traders, the squibs. Score 2 is a very small world covered entirely in ice. Highly unremarkable, except for the massive floating junkyards that orbit. They say that if a squib trader on Score 2 doesn't have the engine part you need, then you can just stop looking. With that piece of advice, we're trolling through the capital of Metro Big City, trying to find what we need without drawing too much attention to ourselves. But everywhere we go, every step we take, we're constantly being hassled by the rodent-like furry little squib, constantly trying to trade, bargain, and haggle. They keep grabbing our equipment and rubbing it against their fur, though I've been told this is actually how they taste things. Disgusting. I'm confident we can find a replacement hyperdrive, but the negotiation for price is what worries me. Squib use their small stature and disarming appearance to play people for fools, I know. I've got to be careful. A Corellian pilot once told me something about squibs. They'll sell you a bucket of air, and then keep the bucket. Well, wish us luck, guys. We've got some serious haggling to do. Later! Long live the Empire! Your friend, Commander Cody. Yeah, you know, if they're playing people for fools, then Commander Cody's gonna fit the bill. They would have seen him coming. Oh, you're so hard on Cody. He's such a nice guy. I mean, of seriously, course. it's not like we pay him or anything. He just sends us postcards out of the kindness of his heart, educates us, you yep. know, yep. In, the, in the general uh, statuses of the galaxy and what's in it. It's, it's going to be just fine. Yup. Yeah. It's fine. You know, uh, it's interesting. You were, you were, you know, you were actually kind of talking when I, when, uh, you know, we were listening to Pody's Coast, Cody's postcard there, you know. When I was listening to Pody's Coast Card? Yeah. Pody's Coast Card. See, you're the one, I mean, I'm the one drinking here. You're the one that should be, uh, like, talking regular. Yeah. Well, what, what can I say? Yeah. Why not record that in advance? Old school. Come on. What do you think we are? Prepared? Give me a break. No, give me a break. There's no preparation here. Jeez. It's nothing. It's nothing. I know. <laughs> yeah, okay. And so with that... D20 docking bay hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Questions, answers. Lots. Welcome of to the D20 Docking Bay, where uh, we gather together our listener questions, uh, either emailed to us or from our forums. And if you guys have any questions for the Docking Bay, any thorny rules issues or uh, colorful rules debacles you'd like us to delve into, you can of course email us again, GM Chris at d20radio.com, GM Dave at d20radio.com, or go become a member of the Gamer Nation, d20radio.com/forums. Post your mind, post your questions. Let our skilled community. Post up their knowledge and help you with what ails you. Right, because nothing says debauchery like the D20 docking bay. Uh, yes. I would agree with that sentiment. All right, dude. We got questions, man. We got quite a few. Lay, lay, them, lay them on me. Lay them on me. I want them. I want okay, them. question number one from Rabid Gamer 1130 You really should have that checked out. Yeah. You can't cure rabies, you know. One of the newest posters on our forums had this question as his very first post so this is rabid gamer 1130 oh this is a very question uh, very common question or what a question that is very common to folks just getting introduced to the system he writes in regards to talents 
Do you have to stick with one tree or can you mix it up? Also, can a Jedi pick up a Force talent at first level? Hmm, okay. Well, are you sure you want to be reading the questions, Dave? She is. I don't know. We'll see how far I can get. Okay. Well, that'll be entertaining. Well, in the answer to your question, Rabbit Gamer, um, yeah, you, dude, you can. This, this is a, again, as Dave said, this is a very common question from people that are just getting started out. Um, the answer to this: you can choose any talent from any tree within your class that you qualify for. I mean, by level five, you can have three talents from three different trees, as long as they're all talent trees for your class. Um, or three talents from the same tree, as long as you meet the prerequisites for each talent you have. Now, as for force talents, they are the exception to the general rule. Any character with force sensitivity, including a Jedi, always considers the force talent trees as class talent trees. Always. Always. So they can always choose from those trees, regardless of their class, and even at first level. So I hope that answers your question, Rabbit, and sir, welcome to the Gamer Nation. Welcome to the revolution. Wahoo. Yeah. Okay. Ponderosa. Actually, no, this is a Vendasora. Ah, a Vendasora, yes. A Vendasora posted several talent-related questions this week. So, he writes, first, would a primitive block, which is uh, KOTOR, page 38, Satisfy the block prerequisite for some of the Jedi Knight's lightsaber forum talents. Mm. Now, I've heard some people say yes to this, um, but in my opinion of Endosaur, that would be a resounding no. Uh, block is a talent. Primitive block is a completely different talent. And usually, when one talent substitutes for another, it says so. This one doesn't. And in my opinion, it shouldn't, um, especially for the reasons that you mentioned. Block, to me, block, the pl plain old block, is about having certain mastery and command with a lightsaber. Primitive block, not so much. No lightsaber required. Now, I know very well that you can use primitive block with a lightsaber if you happen to have one in your hand, but you can use it with anything. It, it's not a form of specialization. But, yeah, the bottom line, I think it's just a little too powerful, so I would certainly say no, but that would just be me. Big negatory all that. Big negatory. Okay, second. Does the plus one damage die from the Inquisition? No one can stand the Spanish Inquisition. Talent, the from the Inquisition talent, which is uh, Force Unleashed, page forty-three. Apply to Force abilities. The wording says you gain a plus one bonus on attack rolls and deal plus one die of damage. Your thoughts, sir? Mm. Well, the game is very basic and that the devs clarified early on that a force power is not an attack. It's a skill check. And that dividing line is very clear. And anytime it's blurred, they spell it out very clearly and easily. I mean, such as using deflect on force lightning and move light object. But that isn't the case here, okay? An attack roll is not a force power. And I think most would agree this talent would be way too powerful if it boosted force powers in that respect. I mean, good grief, just extra die of damage on force powers? I mean, hell yeah. It, it, at the point in time where you have a rules question, in my opinion, of Endosaurus, and you're making a ruling, and, and the, the ruling you make makes it to where no one in their right mind would go, holy crap, there's no reason I wouldn't pick that up. Give it to me right now. Then it's probably a little imbalanced. Pretty so much. So that's where, where this falls in that category. So I would say no to that one. Okay, finally. Finally. Would using any of the Imperial Inquisitor Force Adept talents from the Force Unleashed be worthy of a DSP? Ooh, good question. That's a tough one. Aaron Terrasante. Uh, okay, let's talk raw, then let's talk realism. Okay. 
Rules is written, raw, the mere use of a talent will not garner you a DSP unless the talent says that using it will garner you a DSP, okay? Regardless of whether it's from the Imperial Inquisitor tree or the Dark Side Devotee tree or whatnot, right? Now, here's the problem with that. The mere use of a talent almost never occurs. <laughs> I mean, if I use a Dark Side talent, I'm usually using it to smite a foe or accomplish an action that will earn me a DSP anyway, okay, you know? But honestly, as the book says, DSP awarding is really up to your GM. I mean, I think um, I think a GM playing a heroic game is perfectly within his rights to award a DSP to a Jedi for simply using such talent. I think that's reasonable. But again, this is GM purview, not strict raw. Although, in this glorious system of Endosora, GM purview is raw, Ooh. which is nice. Very nice. Very, very, very beautiful. I love Star Wars. If it was not for Star Wars, I would not be playing Star Wars today. Star Wars in my life. That's right. Okay. Sebastian Janikowski emailed us this week. Jan- really? I was not aware his last name was Janikowski. I'm just guessing. Oh, okay. It's okay. Sebastian. It's a bit, uh, Sebastian emails us frequently. Yes. That's right. He says, hello, chomp. I had a quick question regarding a rule from Force Unleashed and then one from Threats of the Galaxy. According to Savage Attack from page 35, Force Unleashed, the attacks after the first in a full round action get an extra die of damage. And the Tereskazi Mastery Talent from page 53 in Threats of the Galaxy, you can take full round attacks with unarmed attacks as a standard action. That makes sense. So, my question bases around whether the Savage Attack would still work with the Tereskazi Mastery talent. Oh, well, well, yeah, the answer, uh, sure, Sebastian, why not? I mean, you've got a talent, a Savage Attack, which is brilliant, by the way, um, that says you get bonus die on secondary attacks in a full round attack action. But then you've got another talent that says, hey, when you make a full round attack action like this, it's only going to cost you a standard action. Okay, well, the two should work together just fine. I mean, Savage Attack would still only apply itself to the non-primary attacks made in the full round action, regardless of, and this sounds kind of strange, of how long that full round action takes. I don't think it's too broken to do otherwise. You still don't get two standard actions in a round, so it's not like you're going to be able to do this more than once, even with, whether, whether you took a full round action to do it or a standard action to do it. Yeah. Sounds good to me, man. Yeah. I agree. 100%. 200%. Oh, yeah. Th- okay. That's a large percent, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so Darth Orangutan had a question about the wealth talent. I, 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 I believe that's Darth Gorilla. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's the one. Okay, he posted this up on the forums. According to the errata, Knights of the Old Errata, that is, page 44 of the Core Rulebook for those following along at home and scoring in your scorebooks, each time you gain a level, including the level at which you select this talent, you receive an amount of credits equal to $5,000 times your class level, where class level, according to the new definition, is any class that has access to a particular talent, to that particular talent. The phrase at issue is... Each time you gain a level. The errata says nothing about a level in what. Now, it seems to me that the spirit of the rules suggests that you only gain the benefit of the extra credits when you take a level in one of those qualifying classes. My player says each time you gain a level may suggest that even if you take a level in Scoundrel, for example, you will get more money. Well, min-maxer 
is right. Well, no, I mean this is this is basic. It's cool, but yeah. Um, okay, gorilla, uh, your player <laughs> is very much correct. Uh, bada bing. Uh, this has been clarified by the devs, and simply put, every time you level, period, you get money from the wealth talent. Now, how much money that is is all about how many class levels you have, i.e. Noble and Crime Lord are the only two classes with access to this talent right now. So if I have wealth and a single level in Noble or Crime Lord, I will get 5,000 creds every time I gain a level, any level whether it be that very same noble level I took the talent at or a scoundrel or a soldier level taken later. All right. Um, 10,000 credits. If I have two levels in noble or crime Lord, every time I gain any level, right. when you're wealthy, you're wealthy. That's the way okay? it is. That's the way it is. It makes sense. Now, of course, if I go straight noble slash crime Lord, um, then I'm getting 5,000 for one level, 10,000 for the next level, 15,000 for the next level, and so on and so forth. I mean, so you are going to be a lot wealthier by sticking to the straight class level progression for, for your wealth talent. But, uh, you know, even if you don't, you're still going to get some cash. Yep. So, worthwhile. Very much so, I think. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, uh, so after the last podcast in the chat room, Kalen proposed a docking bay topic that was so excellent, we requested him to mail it in. Yeah, I remember this, yeah. Okay, and so here's what he had to say, and this is paraphrased, kind of. Okay, so let me, let me put uh, my, Caleb, my Kalen voice in. <clears throat> after the podcast, I was in the chat room talking about issues around the term unaware and the general states of unaware, aware, and their effects. Screw that. Okay, it's been an ongoing debate on the Watsi forums as to when a character is unaware, when effects render a, char a character unaware, and what effects an unaware state is on a character. Good lord. Okay, the big problem here for me is, as others on the Watsi forums have said, that unaware seems to be treated as a defined term, i.e., a term with a definition that is distinct from its dictionary definition but is not defined in the rules. Mm. So, related to that are issues of stealth and attacking while hidden. Of course. Is a character unaware of a yeah. hidden attacker? I rule that unawareness has to do with the attacker. Thus, I rule that a character is only unaware during the surprise round and then only if he fails his perception check. Creating a distraction to hide... I can, I can hear your dissent already. Please, please refrain. Okay, okay. Creating a distraction to hide or using concealment and then making a stealth check does not make your opponent unaware of you or make him flat-footed against you, though it does cause him to lose his dexterity bonus to reflex defense against you. My reasoning for this is that, after the surprise round, your opponent is always aware that he is under attack. Has his guard up, so to speak. Do I have it right? So, similarly, as mentioned above, how does this affect block and deflect? If a Jedi's perception check fails to beat his opponent's stealth check, is he considered aware of the attack to benefit from block or defect? By my understanding of aware and unaware from the surprise round paragraph in the combat chapter of the core rulebook, as I laid out above, the Jedi is aware of the attacker as long as it is not the surprise round. Mm -hmm. 
But how do these circumstances affect his awareness of the attack? Also, it seems we need some clarifications on the difference between flat-footed and denied your dexterity bonus to reflex defense. By raw, these do not seem to be synonymous states to me, even though their effects on your reflex defense are the same. My gosh. People have nothing better to do. Um, I think, I think, and what's crazy is this was actually a paraphrase version of everything that's been going on. Poor Caitlin emailed to us. And I mean, just listening to Dave kind of summarize it up and listening to how complex, convoluted, and almost silly this is, I, it kind of puts it all in perspective. I mean, literally, we're debating semantics of, I mean, I, I, I just think, I, again, I think, I think, People I'm aware are of you. This oh, oh, aid. oh, wait, wait. I may not be aware of you after all. Hold on. Let me roll my dice. <laughs> well, I get what he's trying to say. I get what they're all trying to say. It makes sense. But yeah, I know. I mean, okay. So this has been a nasty discussion on the inner tubes. I've been following some of these threads over on Gleamax, and it's getting kind of harsh. Right. And people have very differing opinions and ideas, and they seem to have strong feelings about it either way. Um, so let's take some time. Let's examine the basics, and then I'm going to give you my opinion on the matter. Uh, okay, let's talk about your last question first, Kalen, because it really sets the stage. Uh, the difference between being flat-footed and losing your dexterity to reflex defense. Okay, The flat-footed condition is very well defined in the core rulebook, page 149 to be precise. Being flat-footed occurs in any battle with a surprise round. Okay, You are flat-footed until your first regular turn in initiative, assuming there's a surprise round. As a function... Of being flat-footed, you lose any dexterity bonus you have to reflex defense. But that's not the only way to lose your dex to reflex defense. There are several ways, and many revolve around skills, okay? Uh, most notably, deception to feint and stealth to sneak. The reason, Padawans, that they even differentiate the two is that some abilities are centered on not just losing dex, but actually being flat-footed. So that distinction actually has to be made. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try okay. to let this become a rant, but oh I, boy. I I, I, I oh detest boy. I detest these kinds of of word by word rules lawyering analyses, but I'm going to do one, Stand and then back. I'm gonna tell you why. Even if you don't buy it, Stand it just back. simply follows kiss and makes sense to consider it that Stand way. Anyhow, back. he's but, but about okay. to blow. Okay, turn to page seventy-two of your core rulebook. All right, and more particularly to the sneak description of the stealth skill. First paragraph under sneak, last sentence. Verbatim, if an opponent's perception check equals or exceeds your stealth check, your opponent notices you. Now, I am no English professor, but in my moderately educated head, if someone fails to notice you, i.e. their perception check does not meet or beat your stealth, they are unaware of you Ooh, well you're a smart now, guy <laughs> you're really is that smart is, guy. is that is that reasonable okay yes, very now, much. now okay well you say that but there's people that will argue with me on the forums now for those of you who insist that the exact wording uh printed on the grain of the smash tree pulp 
uh, is not justifying it for you, well, this this next argument should do, okay? For those who are simply able to go, uh, gee, it frackin' makes sense that if you're hidden to someone, they're unaware of you, then, then that argument just kind of makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense, and it's very kiss. Okay? Ooh, yes. So, does losing your dexterity to reflex defense make you unaware of a target? And the answer is... Mm. Maybe. <laughs> uh, this, younglings, is why we play with a breathing, thinking human being behind the GM screen instead of just playing a video game. Um, <laughs> so a Jedi can only deflect or block when they're aware of the attack. Okay. So when are they unaware? When they're fracking unaware, okay? The times and options are numerous, all right? It's the GM's job to determine that. You want my own opinion, okay? What I use is kind of a general rule in my games. If you don't know where a target is, i.e. where his attacks are coming from and when, then you're unaware. Interestingly enough, this usually coincides with being denied your dexterity to reflex defense. Usually. Not always, but hey. That's why I have a brain to judge the situation accordingly. Uh -huh. And block and deflect don't claim that they work due to precognition, though this is the common perception. Simply, according to the text, the force guides your actions. Okay. So, in my opinion, if you've no idea where the attack is coming from, and you're unaware of it, even if you're in combat, you have your lightsaber drawn, you're expecting an attack, you can still be unaware. And the EU is filled with examples of this, most notably Aura Singh, uh, who gunned down Jedi from hiding. Okay, Jedi that knew she was out there somewhere, had their saber drawn, and were waiting. Many people have a problem with this. Okay, why? I don't know. All right, because the exact wording of the books doesn't say so specifically, exactly, precisely, with correct spelling. Yeah, okay, but does it make sense? Okay, my God, aren't block and deflect powerful enough already? Really? <laughs> really? So, ay, that's just how I run it in my games, guys. If you want to hide in combat and you succeed, the Jedi isn't aware of you. Okay, don't get me wrong. It's hard to hide in combat. It's very hard. Okay, after you attack, unless you succeed on a snipe, I mean, they're now aware of you, and they know exactly where you are. Okay? <clears throat> so then you have to succeed a deception check to create a diversion to hide. Then succeed another stealth check. It's not easy, okay? Now, if you use deception to feint by the exact wording of the skill, you make your opponent flat-footed, okay? Or if you surprise the opponent, making them flat-footed, they wouldn't be aware of the attack, okay? In the case of deception, though, you've just faked out your opponent, even though he has the force on his side, okay? And yes, it's possible. Check out the surprised look on Qui-Gon Jinn's face when Darth Maul does that high fake to the forehead and then counters with a chest thrust, plunging his lightsaber through a very surprised Jedi Master, and you tell me it ain't possible. So, that's uh, kind of my way of looking at it. Now, I mean, so that's basically it. There, there's ways to hide from a Jedi. I'm sorry, just having the Force doesn't do it for you. Now, a smart Jedi, maybe one who takes the time to use the Force to sense surroundings, ignore cover and concealment, remove your ability to sneak well, then you wouldn't exactly be hidden from him, would you? Okay, but that's a smart Jedi doing that, and that's pretty much what it's going to take. But I think it's entirely possible to lose awareness in combat, uh, most specifically, again, as I said, through deception to feint, through uh, you know, uh, making dece deception to um, uh, create a diversion to hide and then successfully hiding. There's any number of ways to do it. But right. ultimately, use your brain. Uh, unaware is what it means. Unaware. Uh, it doesn't appear to be an actual state in the books that needs defining. It's just unaware. 
Your GM knows what it means. You know what it means. Use your brain. Call the situation as it comes. Yep. But that's just my two cents. So. That's the thing that's inside the big lump three feet above your arse. Or in some cases, lower. Oh. But I didn't say that. And honestly, um, Kalen, this is a fantastic question. And I really want to thank you for taking the time to write us a truly wonderful email. He did. A, I mean, he really he, he, he went and he said, listen, this is why I'm so confused. This is insane. He linked like three posted posts over at the Watsi forums and Gleemax. And he's like, this is all this crazy stuff going on. It, it, this is just nuts. Um, and really, thank you for taking the time to really bring this issue forward. Let us talk about it, Kalen, because it was marvelous. Um, marvelous. A marvelous thing to bring up and a good question to discuss. So, you so thank you. Look marvelous. You look marvelous. You look marvelous. Because uh, uh, you look marvelous. And uh, if you guys have any questions that you would like to uh, look marvelous with, again, you can send them to us. Coco. Yes, yes. Call the Lusa line, 206-600-5872, or email us, GM Chris or GM Dave, d20radio.com. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, what do we got? Oh, yeah, here we go. Request a motion to suspend the rules. You're gonna suspend the rules? Shut up, Sharjah! Motion granted. I thought you might get a kick out of this one, Dave. And I will get a kick out of it. Thank you. Ah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, you want to introduce it? Sure, why not? Okay. Special thanks to Merkaba Juarez. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Merkaba Jedi. Merkaba Jedi, who posted up this house rule on our forums and got a lot of Wookiee love and, <laughs> <laughs> and some non-Wookiee hate. I would, you know, tend to, you know, whatever. Anyway, here's what he posts. No one doubts that Wookiees are big beasties. As such, <laughs> their stats should reflect that. Hence, I submit to you the following house rule. <clears throat> In my games, I give Wookiees a version of the powerful build trait from 3.5 D&D. In essence, this gives them the advantages of a large creature in most opposed combat situations, such as grappling, and allows them to use larger weapons. What it does not give them is reach, along with also not giving them the bonus of the damage threshold that uh, other large creatures receive. So, now the question is, does this make two... Does this make them two broken good I would say no with Force Unleashed book we have the introduction of both the Tagorian and the Whippid or Whippid I don't even know how to say that I'm, I'm, I'm not even it's Whippid Whippid you can whip it okay both full on large races alright in the core rulebook we had huts also large with everything that size entails thus it is my thinking that giving Wookiees the powerful build trait does not make them too overpowered and allows them to go toe-to-toe with some of the bigger races in the game without being too powerful. Uh, wow. I think I want to call this rule, he'll rip your arms off. Um, okay, I, thoughts. Ripping your wow. arms out of your sockets. I know. Well, Dave, you might disagree with me on this, but um, frankly, 
I, I think this is a neat rule, but I, I think Wookiees are powerful enough. Um, and that's just kind of where I go with I think a, a plus four to strength and a plus two to con, double the normal healing rate, and powerful rage trait makes them badass enough, but right. that's me. Right. I I don't relish the prospect of being with these of, of, of a being with these traits already, now being able to dual wield vibroaxes, lift and use an e-web in two hands, or get another plus five on grapple checks. But hey, that's just me. Yep. Um What about you? I love Wookiees, so I love this rule more than anything in the world. <laughs> all right. Now, here's reality. Reality is you're going to give them all this stuff. You need to take something away. So Word. if you do all this stuff, I would, at the minimum, take their strength down to plus two. That's not a bad suggestion, Dave. At the minimum. So, you know, that's just that's just me. So... I would, I would, I would do that, or I would remove rage. Quite frankly. Yeah, and I mean, rage is so is so ingrained to the Wookiee. Yeah, I know. You know, backstory and lore that I think the plus two to strength probably. I mean, they're they're going to be if if you're going to treat them as a large creature anyway, they're going to have some of that. So. Yeah, yeah. This this is very true, and even then, I still think it might be a little too broken. Um, yeah, it still might be. You're right. But I mean, honestly, yeah, you're going to need to take something away, and and see, look at you, man, burgeoning game designer. Hey, that's me. Fantastic. That's me. That's me. That's you. I love it. I love it. But honestly, this is a very fun rule. And if yeah. you really don't care about the power creep and you're having fun with it and you got a Wookiee lover like Dave, this is kind of a fun thing to throw into your game. Wookiee lover. Hey, Strider made it into the chat room. Hello, Strider. He said, hey, he, he, said Strider. he got a new job today. He got a new job today. Congratulations on the new job, Strider. Way to go. I got a promotion today. Woo. Uh, y- yes, you did. Congratulations on that, by the way. Hey, it's all good. <laughs> fantastic well dude shall we um shall we try and maybe make a phone call to the guy we're paying to uh you know keep tabs for us shall we try shall we try shall we try okay i don't know i mean you know we, we can try you know whether whether we will be successful or not is another thing all right well then we'll give it a shot we shall give it a shot right now tk421 sir tk421 Come in, please. Hey, Dave, how you doing, man? Well, now, how about that? For timeliness. I appreciate the timeliness, my friend. Hey, man, you know, Hoser, I'm getting better, you know. Working hard. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been doing a little thing. I've, I've been getting a lot better with my logistics, man. You know, I've been going through some training courses for my diction and my planning. Which apparently are closely related to each other. Well, okay, good, good, good. I'm glad, man. What are you doing like that? Oh, man, well, you know, I've been put in charge of a very important task for the Empire. I'm, uh, I'm out here uh, over at, uh, at listening station 47213, and we're out here on the Galactic Rim, you know, and uh, it's a very, very important job. I've been putting in charge here of coordinating all the supply crates that are in our warehouse, you know, and it's not for everyone. you got to have a certain acumen and degree of, uh, of, uh, of, 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 of figuring stuff out to, to, to be able to do this job. A uh, degree of acumen and figuring stuff out. Nice. Oh, yeah, you know how it is, yeah. So, in other yeah. words, you need to be smart. You gotta be smart, man. You gotta be real smart. And you gotta get your stuff together. You gotta plan, son. You gotta plan, man. 
you know, I got a little notebook I've been carrying around with me with all my figures and facts and ventures on it, you know, so I can keep track of things as I go. It makes a world of difference. Yeah. Plus, you know, like, if I see, like, a fine, twee-lick woman coming through, you know, I can stop and, and I can sketch her, you know. I made a sketch for a pretty lady the other day, you know. Great. Glad to hear oh, it. Oh, well, you know, she liked it a lot. I gave it to her. But she said, you know, I made I made the large boobies just a little too big. <laughs> she liked it a lot. Okay. That sounds good to me, man. Alright, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't I don't mean to be making fun of you, but you do it to yourself sometimes, you know? But hey, we enjoy having you on the show. We appreciate it. Not not all of us have your level of vocal skills. Hey, GM Dave. Vocal skills, nunchuck skills, computer hacking skills. Yourself, making fun of me. Hey, I'm I'm proud of my skills, man. They help me make they help me become the person I am today. Well you gotta be proud of your skills, so. I'm learning, son. I'm learning. But, I know you. Well, I, I gotta get back to work. These uh, these boxes ain't gonna organize themselves. I gotta keep track of, of what's where and get it all done. So, you know, all right, man. I, I, I gotta get back to work with people who appreciate me and who I am. All right, man. Semper Fi. Later, Ozers. <laughs> and away he Bye, goes team. yet again. Mm, yes. He brings up a good point, Dave. He does? Oh, yeah. Organization is the key to anything. In fact, it's the key to our topic of discussion this week. Oh, it is? Oh, yes. Ah, hey, well, before we get to the topic of discussion, I actually was remiss and I forgot to play something. Oh, whoa, play whoa, whoa. Hey, hey, wait up, guys. Wait, whoa, wait. Hey, oh, Jesus. They're going right now. Man, come on. Uh, I don't, I don't think we have time for that. Um, there's, there's not a lot we can do with only 15 minutes prior to the show, man. No, you get in line. Get in line over there. Get in line. Uh, uh, green five. Green five. Uh, the green, th- no, yeah, green three. Um, we got a little delay here. I, I don't know what's going on. Will you shut up and get in line over there? Come on. We got to do a bit. Let's get this thing rolling. Uh, look, I can't even get my voice right. Uh, I got no helmet on or anything there. Uh, how am I supposed to do Stormtrooper poetry? I don't care. Just get in line. Um, hey, what about... I don't even have my radio, man. Where's Where's the radio? Uh, I don't know what's going on here. Oh, man, we're going to have to put up with this all day long. Yeah, just relax, okay? We'll get there. We'll get something done. Uh, anybody got a script? Or anything? At all? <laughs> See, I guess that's Fiddleback's way of saying he didn't really have a bit for us this week. It's okay, Fiddleback. We don't hold you to one every single week. But so all those characters trying. are just farting around, not really doing anything. They don't know what the heck's going on. Green three, green five. Yeah. Yeah, that. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about campaign building. There has been much of the ruckus on the forums about... How do we build our campaigns? Yeah, uh, it's it's been it's been a good amount of ruckus. Um, well, for those loyal listeners who've been listening for a while, um, back in episode thirty-seven, uh, we we tried to tackle a very common listener request on advice when building encounters. Uh, we introduced the list, the list, um, the list, 
And, and hopefully uh, we gave you some good suggestions on creating balanced, fun, and memorable encounters. Um, but since that show, we've gotten posts and emails from listeners asking us to take it one step further and help out with some advice on building an entire campaign. All right now, this is not an easy thing, and even the most skillful GM can get bogged down with it. But we felt it would be a good time to talk about this uh, before the new year, when folks are soon to start new campaigns and new games. Uh, so we're going to delve through a few suggestions and ideas, some of which may be old hat to our more seasoned GMs. But for those building a game for the first time, or who would perhaps like to hear how I do it, uh, this segment is entirely for you. That's right. It is. So, away we go. This bud's for you. Bum, bum, bud, bud, this bud's bud, bud, for bum, you, bum. Sean. That's right. I'll, oh, I'll hey, it. and before we start, yeah, I want everyone to go out and buy a Konica Minolta Biz Hub. <laughs> I, I think that keeps one of our posters in... Um, in job, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. It keeps them employed and support your gamer nation with Konica Minolta Biz Hub. Even though they sold their camera unit to Sony, which means I'm the only <laughs> professional photographer in America that has to use a Sony camera. Ooh. That's okay. It's okay. Ooh, I get made fun of bad. all the time, but I'm not about to give, away, give up my multiple thousands of dollars that I've invested in lenses just so I can shoot a cannon. Well, well, yeah, okay. You know. That anyway. makes sense. Anyway, it's good technology. Anyway, I, I digress. That's probably better left for daydreaming. So, oh, I would think so, yes. All right, so let's, let's explain a campaign versus a session. Okay. Um, I think it's important to make this distinction for several reasons, okay? The decision as to what type of game you're going to run is directly related to how much time and energy that needs to go into planning it, really. And GMs usually experience the greatest frustrations they have by expecting one of these two things and getting the exact opposite. Um, when you plan for a quick one-shot game and then your players go off the map with deep character choices or discovery into areas of the galaxy that are just totally uncharted hyperspace roads, um, looking for things you never thought about, or when you spend hours developing a heartfelt detail-packed campaign, and they come at it with about as much seriousness as a Gungan with a wad of cookie dough. Um, this is just a bad scene all around, Dave. Uh, so, we're going to discuss some ways to prevent both scenarios, uh, but first, we're going to take a look at them both, okay? Okay, let's. So, a session. session. All right? Now, this is what I refer to frequently as a one-shot. Okay. Uh, this is also the most common type of Star Wars game. Bunch of friends get together, tear open a bag of Cheetos, a case of Mountain Dew, and the core rulebook. They build characters, and then they have a blast having a blast uh, until the sun comes up. And that's it. End of party. That's it. Um, Play now, until you run out of Pringles. There you go. Uh, now, then there's the campaign, which is, guys, we're playing Star Wars. Nobles, you have a chance to win Star Wars. I need two-page backgrounds and complete character builds by next week. We'll be meeting every Sunday for the next three months. Go! Um, yeah, we're all familiar with <laughs> Campaigns are the long-running fonts of creativity and deep player interaction that, when done properly, make converts out of the novice and keep gaming groups together for a very, very long time. Now, oftentimes, sessions can become campaigns, uh, especially when the players in the session find incredible enjoyment out of the game, or they're exceptionally pleased with where their new characters are going and they don't want to stop. Now, I find that this amazing system that we play tends to engender both scenarios quite frequently. Right so, 
we're going to discuss ways to plan both sessions and campaigns in such a way that you can easily make the leap from one to the other or vice versa. Right. So there you go. So let's talk about a holocron. Hey, all right. Episode number one is up on the Order 6620 radio right now. Yeah, not not so much the podcast of the same name that discusses uh, the Old Republic, which uh, you and mostly Joe do, uh, but more in terms of uh, the Jedi repository of all knowledge, basically. Oh, well, forget um, it. Turn it off the podcast right now. It's over. Yeah, well, you know, hey, well, what are you going to do? Um, but basically, many GMs keep what they call, for lack of a better term, game Bibles, okay? I refer to mine as a game holocron for obvious reasons. Uh, but the bottom line is that, that you should keep a book a journal, a Word document, a spiral notepad, something to plan your campaign in. Now, Get as far as the book. old goes, I mean, look, part of the allure of tabletop gaming for so many people is the chance to handle actual, real paper, pencils, dice, and tiny little figurines with little plastic lightsabers. <laughs> and as such, many GMs keep archaically obtuse game books that are literally falling apart at the seams, flogged with handwritten notes, opening crawls, stat blocks, and encounter ideas. Pieces of graph paper with hand-drawn maps pasted to the pages, along with sketches, pictures from magazines, and other musings. This is fantastic. Um, several companies actually sell Game Master Guides. Uh, Paizo, most notably, has a large line of them, uh, which are books that break all your campaign info down into sections and such. Um, I find these resources somewhat useful, but kind of restrictive for my taste. Um, I personally would always prefer a, a Moleskine or composition-bound ledger. Uh, cheap, very tough, very easy to write in. Um, I still have several of my old ones on the shelf. Uh, I mean, one for each campaign I've ever run. I love those things. I used to use them like for lab notebooks in college. Yeah, they're fantastic. And you can even get ones where half the page is uh, like lined or ruled uh, or blank completely blank paper, and the other half is uh, graph paper, which is just fantastic for maps. Yeah. Um, well, that's kind of the old way of creating your holocron. Well, it's also the 21st century now, younglings. Welcome and to the 80s. Not, hey. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> we're not quite in a galaxy far, far away, um, and my data pad is not as cool as Wedge Antilles, but my laptop is pretty goddamn useful. Oh, uh, see, we went the entire podcast without a word like that. What, wait, what, GD? Yeah. Not that bad. I downgraded our rating to that of general audience. Oh, I'm sad. (laughs) Well, guys, the majority of my campaign planning today occurs now in MS Publisher or Word. Um, I can type things much faster than I can write, and I can do it on the fly. I can import stat blocks and picks, anything I need. Um, When it comes time for the game, I cut and paste what I need into a smaller file. I print it and take it right to the table. If I don't just prop my laptop up next to the table, okay? Um, don't feel bad. It's easy. But you know what? I still take scribbled notes, and a beat-up composition notepad is always in my laptop bag. Always. Just in case. Trust me. Always. He works like five cubes away from me, and it's always there. Yeah, it is. It is. It is always with me. Always. And I'm always writing in it. Um, so that's kind of the structure of the holocron. Let's talk about actually using it. Yes, the key... every every once a month, the Holocron will make its way onto the D20 radio. And we're not talking about the podcast. Oh. Okay, back to my hole. Back, back into your hole. The point of keeping a, a game Bible or a game Holocron is what I call over-planning in order to under-plan. Okay, so great. 
Thanks, GMC. Keep a campaign notebook. That's a friggin' miraculous piece of advice there. You've changed my gaming life forever. Uh, yeah, so that's not exactly earth-shattering. Um, <laughs> so let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about the benefits of using a good game, Holocron, but more importantly, what to put in it and when, because this is where I find good GMs wasting the most time or using what time they have to a minimal effect. Um, the point of setting up a good game holocron is that you can pour hours and hours of detailed design into it and then prep very little when actual game day rolls around. Detailed design? So, no. Is, is that, does that no, come after the just, gap analysis just, and before the... Just, uh, just, you know, okay. If you have a thought at this point, just just squelch it till the daydreaming. I have to use the 80-20 rule. Yes. Damn it. Yes. All right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So, as they're, say, as they're saying in the uh, as they're saying in the the chat room right now, you know, step 1, get your holocron. Step 2, write on it. Step 3, question mark, question mark, question mark. Step 4, profit. Um profit. But no. Profit. Yeah. Profit old old, old forum time. joke. You really have to yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. And Chuck Norris no, 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 no. Profit is in money, not not profit, as in Chuck Norris. Mm. Ph, not, uh, not not Ph, but F, uh, <laughs> it. Uh, so All right. <laughs> what to put in your game holocron? Um, the first thing I do in my game holocron is I create an entire section of what I call set pieces. Uh, the key to a good session, in my opinion are these set pieces. Uh, maybe it's the film fan in me, I don't know, but I, I look at a Star Wars game kind of like a film the players are acting in. And I, in my head, imagine awesome scenes within that film that are going to look simply cool, uh, irrespective of, of what characters oh, are in them. Oh, you said irrespective. Y- yes, I did. Damn it. Yes. There's going to be one person in the chat room that's going to be very disappointed. But you'll well, see. That, that's okay. Um, so these cool scenes become set pieces for me. Um, encounters, like uh, two characters, and, or two Jedi and a senator chained to stone pillars in an arena as wild beasts race to devour them while hordes of drones fight an army of Jedi in the background. Sound familiar? Uh, crap like that. These set pieces, they're quickly jotted down and they're developed later into full set pieces. Um, when this is done, I will literally devote an entire page to the set piece. I'll usually creating a map to go with it, and I will apply all the rules from the list, which we cover in episode 37, to it, ensuring that this is a fun encounter with all the elements that it needs. The and list. Thank you. Next, I'll note what types of threats I'll need for the set piece. Now, this is not the same as defining the exact threats for it and then putting them on the page. I intentionally avoid doing this. When designing the threats for a set piece, I just use categories, and I note their placement on the map. Categories uh, for threats, things like um, terms I use, pack members, snipers, melee fighters, grapplers, nobles, uh, nasty beasts, uh, force user lightsaber, force user non-lightsaber. Um, BBEG, crap like that. Um, I intentionally avoid assigning any type of CL or even writing down whether my pack members are Nexu, Vornskers, Stormtroopers, Mandos, or Minox. The, the idea is to develop a set piece template that can quickly and easily be adjusted to any game at any level. And when I'm putting a particular session together, I'll go through my set pieces and I'll say, hey, hey, that'll be cool. And at that point, I'll note the specific threats that I want to use reference back to the page number of the set piece in my game holocron. 
my map is already made, and the encounter mechanics are already set. I just need to define my threat CLs and, and you know, the, sort of the presence that fits within the story. Okay. So, for example, oh, okay, uh, well, the PCs are third level, and this set piece is occurring in an Imperial facility. Okay, I need three snipers, a noble, and a force user. Well, I guess I'm going to use three stormtroopers, a fifth-level Imperial officer, and a fifth-level Inquisitor. Yeah! Okay, or... Um, okay, the PCs are twelfth level, and this set piece is occurring in a Kotor era in the Undercity of Terrace. Uh, I guess I'll use three mercenary captains as my snipers, a level fifteen crime lord as my noble, and a Sith witch as my force user. Oh, stuff like that. So when you when I create a set piece, I'll lay out these various encounters. Again, you get the maps down, you get exactly how the encounter flow is going to work, but you just don't define the threats. And with that with that in place, you can adjust it for any session you come up with. And you can use it again and again and again and again for a session, for a campaign, anything you need. That's right. Okay? It's important when you set up your set pieces, though, that you absolutely have to have somebody on the far post. You have to have somebody on the near post. You must have someone screening the goalkeeper. And somebody has to be at the back end of the box in the 18 to pick up the trash. Okay. Just remember are that, boys and girls. Are, are you talking about like? Are you talking about soccer or football, as they call it across the pond? Yeah, I am. The, the set pieces are like corner kicks, oh, okay. you know. And, and yeah, and, no, nobody, nobody watches or plays soccer in the states. Liar! Bunch of fa- bunch of fairies dancing around in tight shorts. Liar! <laughs> Liar! It's okay. It's okay. I, 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 it's all right. We'll, okay. we'll get you help, dude. All right. Okay. All right. NPCs. All right. Yeah, that's the next thing you were going to, right? I think about making yeah. those things in there. Yeah. Whatever. NPCs. So I will devote an entire section of my game Holocron to set pieces. I will devote another section entirely to NPCs. Because sometimes, though, you're not just using a threat out of the book. All right? um, the best games use villains and allies that are very well fleshed out with great personalities, quirks, and backstories. Take the time to stat out as many NPCs as you possibly can, irrespective of the campaign, irrespective of the session. Just create a cool concept, run with it, and stat it out. Let your mind flow across the gamut of every film you've ever seen and all the EU you've ever read. Jot down some key figures that deserve to be fleshed out. Um, The Twi'lek used speeder salesman. The human female fallen Jedi. The Zabrak industrial magnate. The Jawa mechanic, the Zeltron pilot, etc., etc., etc. Q, sure, why not? Take the time to develop several dozen, maybe more NPCs, Tom. and devote devote a page or two to them. Okay. More importantly, write a small backstory. Okay, it will help with the character's attitude if you write a general backstory. Avoid specific names if at all possible. Now, instead of saying that the character's father, a pirate captain named Jureo Rallad, was murdered by the vile gangster Gordola the Hutt, simply say that the NPC's father, a ship captain, was murdered by a crime lord. Leave the details blank to be filled in later with what's going on in your plot. There you okay? go. Yep. Now, people are saying, okay, well, uh, I make all this you know, hard work and effort for an NPC. My players are just going to kill him the third round in. Well, okay, yeah, so what? So you use him again. The point of leaving these details generic is that you can fill them in later, all right? And you put this hard work into it. And whether it's a threat in one session and then maybe an ally that the players are going to want to get to know about in another session or a completely other campaign, you've got it written and done. Step two when creating a good NPC create idiosyncrasies all right give every npc you create at least one distinguishing physical trait and then at least one distinguishing mental trait um a missing eye a facial tattoo uh hands that constantly shake a stuttering problem 
uh, an inability to lie successfully, a gambling problem. Short These hair. are little things that, that add humanism and remembrance to the character, and they will add enjoyment for you and the players while helping create potential hooks for the story and for the PCs. And lastly, when you're, when you're statting these NPCs out, stat them out at multiple levels. I usually set out three variations of an NPC, a low-level, a mid-level, and a high-level version. You never know which one you're going to need. So when it comes time to add the proper NPC to your encounter, whether it be a memorable contact or a mini-boss or a BBEG, wow. go through your list of NPCs. Grab the one that makes the grade. Maybe update the name, the race, the skill selection, maybe. But the, the core hard work has already been done. All right. Lastly, the third section I will devote to my game holocron is ships and equipment. The Enterprise, um, D. Uh, actually, C is my preferred Enterprise. Do you know why? Why? Because William Shatner got sucked out into space from it. Yeah, he did, as a matter of fact. And right on into the ribbon of energy called the yeah. Nexus. Lame, lame plot device. <laughs> That's Excuse what you me. say. That's what you uh, say. You know, I, I personally think it was just fine. I mean, I don't care, you know, she, if he steps she, right out. She's going to hear me say that, and she's going to slap me. Yeah, I she's mean, a, you know, he steps star. out of the Nexus. He star. goes up with Picard. He beats up the bad guy. He launches the missile into the sun, and then they go back, and they redo it, and it changes, you know, because the time changes and all that, you know. So, I mean... Uh, what are we talking about? I don't know, man. You're going at it like mad. Although, I think I lost geek cred because I'm serious. Uh, the the, the uh, ooh, ooh, yeah, I lost major geek cred because the chat room is pointing out that that's not the Enterprise C, it's the Enterprise B. Yeah. Ooh. Well, uh, again, I'm not a huge Star Trek fanatic. Uh, that would be my wife. Um, I'm I'm more of the Star Wars variety. So, mm, welcome to the holodeck, the D, the Star Trek D20 podcast. Hey, I like that one. Start that. Who Not said a bad that? idea. The Streeth. The Streeth. Yeah. That's right. Tasha, thank you, Joe. Tasha Yar died on Enterprise C. That's right. Another stupid time travel plot. Uh, God. Yes. You ever notice there's no time travel in Star Wars? You know why? Because it's lame. Tasha That's Yar. Why. Tasha Yar, who is hot. Bah. <laughs> yeah, Denise Crosby. Very hot. I'm, I'm down with the Crosby. It's, Okay, ships and equipment, Dave. I'd buy that for a dollar. I know you would. Sometimes, guys, uh, at least for me at least, the most tedious part of a game is deciding what your players will find or be able to acquire. Um, I mean, Common things like uh, unusual weapons taken from a fallen foe, a ship purchased in a hurry while fleeing Imperials on a space station. Uh, I mean, you can pull something out of your butt, but making it work usually takes a little bit of time. And uh, first and foremost, ships, okay? Ship names. This can sometimes be the most stupidly long portion of acquiring a ship. And anyone who's ever GM'd a group of players buying a ship knows this. Well, they debate for 45 minutes over what they're going to name the darn ship. The circumference. So, exactly. Give the darn thing a name, okay? Write it down. Note any special facilities or equipment the ship has. All of its stats, if it's homebrewed or templated. Or simply its page reference, if it's a stock ship. Dave's... Okay? bipod of holy smite there you go just note it and when it comes time for that buying that ship wham turn to the page boom this is the ship available to you guys this is how much it costs there you go all right now equipment okay now saga is not D. okay there is much less of a preoccupation on picking up defat loot okay but 
the books offer some great options for memorable pieces of equipment, right? And thus, it's worthwhile to write down in a separate equipment section the stats and even names for really cool items with templates attached or perhaps with various upgrades already added to them. Um, personally, I even go so far as to create groupings of equipment, uh, attaching a party level to them, so I can just grab a set of equipment and go when it comes to what my party finds on the threats after they've defeated an encounter. So there you go. <laughs> Welcome aboard the Ron Jeremy. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. You know, we actually have a ship names uh, compilation thread in the uh, Starships uh, Vehicles and Equipment forum on uh, d20radio.com slash forums. People are throwing up all their hard-earned stuff out there. There's some great... Mm. My favorite one was the was one crew came across a, a cargo ship hauling a load of yeast. The Peter uh, North. And the ship name was the Monistat 7. <laughs> so, yeah, very, very nice. Beautiful. So, I mean, this is it, guys. It's just a matter of throwing it all together. All this stuff takes hours and hours and hours and hours of work. Days of work. Yep, it does. And you know what? You will never, ever stop. You will continually be adding to it. Constantly. Frequently. Laboriously. And you should do it. Why? Your laboratory. Because, because it's fun. It's awesome. It's fantastic when you put together a great campaign and your players yeah. enjoy it. And, Yeah. Well, that's obviously yes, but you should do this work ahead of time because when the time comes, you've got all you need to throw together a deep campaign on the fly uh, or something you can draw from session by session. You got what you need to simply uh, draw from for a one shot and then put the holocron away until the next game. Okay. That's right. So, so okay, so, so, so the campaign begins. Okay. You've decided to make a full on campaign. Great. Grab your holocron and open it to a blank page. Start making notes. Devote a page to it. Write a general three or four sentence idea right at the top of the ultimate campaign goal, the meta plot. Keep it short. Stupid. Then, That's kiss right there. Yeah, well, there you go. Then think about how you're going to guide your players there and what steps it will take along the way to do that. Then break down your steps. List them. Number them. Okay, they have to do this, then this, then this, then this, then this. And try now to devote a single game session to one or two of those steps. Okay, Now you know how many sessions you're going to have and what will need to get accomplished each session. Congratulations, you've just designed your campaign. At this point, when it comes time to actually plan the next session for that campaign, look at your outline and see what you need to accomplish. Now it's time to build the session. A session is basically a series of encounters, one after the other, with lots of good fluff and role-playing in between. But in my opinion, a session should have at least one, hopefully two or three, set pieces in it. Set pieces you develop. That's right, and have, give you the best chance to score. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. These set pieces can even be the same one, okay, such as the ubiquitous bar fight, which is with the details all different. Okay. Choose the set pieces you envision and then begin the process of turning them into encounters. Choose the threats for your set pieces and apply any appropriate NPCs based on the party level for that session and everything else. Okay? You already have all the information you need in your holocron. That's right. Ultimately, what this means is this is going to be about an hour of prep for a really good session, provided you've got a filled holocron already ready to go. And that's it. You've got NPCs ready, already fleshed out with loads of personal details and character, set-piece encounters that are memorable and follow all the rules of good encounter design laid out in episode 37, and you've got all the equipment that relates to the encounter already grouped. Your session should be memorable, fun, and organized. And if it falls to crap with the whole Gungan cookie dough thing, uh, meh. 
Bah. It was an hour. It was an hour of your life wasted. You'll never get it back. You'll never get it back. But it's just an hour. That's it. And be perfect. Be perfectly honest with yourself. You've wasted more time than that with bad video games. That's right, boys and girls. So there you go. How many of us have put all kinds of times into Spore only to say this sucks? <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I happen to like Spore, but I'm I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> the last suggestion I can give you is to wait to build your session before the single session starts. Okay, this is kind of the last recommendation. Never build multiple sessions ahead of time. You've got you don't need to. You've got your game holocron. You've done all the hard work. At this point, it's about catering to the details, and that's going to change from session to session. So you're going to want to wait until after the last session to see what your players did or didn't do, the friendships they made, the enemies they earned, and the full outcome before you tailor your next session from the scraps of cloth in your holocron. And uh, since it's going to take you 30 minutes to an hour to do so, shouldn't be too terribly hard. So this is my recommendation for campaign building, Gamer Nation. Take it with what you will, a grain of salt. And uh, eh, it's just what I do. It's worked for me for many years, and uh, maybe you can take something out of it. It has worked very well for us over the years, by the way. Yeah, and I mean, seriously, it, it, and it applies across systems. Like, I mean, obviously not so much for, for NPCs and equipment, but especially for set pieces. I, I mean, I have set piece books that I have had in, in my library for a, a very, very long time. And I mean, spiral notepads and crap like that. And the, I've used them in D and D games. I've used them in Shadowrun games. I, I've used them in Star Wars. I've used them in just about everything I've ever run. A, a good set piece translates across those lines. So you know, it's just something you know. A, 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 an ounce of preparation is worth a pound of cure. Basically. Yep. And uh, he's talking about how. What if here's a serious question coming out of the chat room? So, what if you've crafted your first session, you've got this great plot hook, and your players say, "Screw that, we're going to Philadelphia," and completely jettison your plot hook? Well, my answer to that is that if you've built your encounters correctly, that you sim can simply plug the encounter into wherever it is that they go, and very gently push them back on track. Well, yeah, it's not even listen. You hit the nail on the head, Dave, but my philosophy is this. Don't railroad your players. Let them go where they want to go. This is the beauty of building set pieces. They can apply to anything. Right. So, okay, they're not going to go to an Imperial facility. They're going to go to Felucia, okay? Well, if you had an awesome set piece built out where it was this huge gladiatorial combat um, in maybe an underground Imperial facility, well, all of a sudden it becomes a gladiatorial arena on Felucia, okay? Right. Pause, take five minutes, scrap your threats, and just go pull some pollutions and wild animals to represent your various set piece threats and you're fine. Right. That's the point. A good set piece translates across any medium you want to give it. So even if they go off the rails, your set pieces still work. Why is Philadelphia looking like Tatooine today? That's what I want to know. Okay, never mind. We'll leave not, we'll, we'll leave that for daydream. Oh, okay. There will there will be a segment about Philadelphia and daydream. Yeah. Does that help to answer your, your, your question, Distraith? I mean, listen, if you're coming up with a plot hook and they jettison it, well, that kind of sucks. But what's really going to make a session memorable and a game memorable is not so much the amazing story you come up with, but the experiences they have. And that's really done through cool encounters. Um, and, you know, when, when the players are having fun, you can find a way to direct them back to your main plot. You can make it work again. So. Yep. Yeah, so there you go. Any other questions for the chat from the chat room at all? Because that was an excellent one. That was a really good one. 
Yeah. Very, 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 very good one. You know, for those of you listening at, at you know at, at home right now, or on the road, or at work, you know, go to d20radio.com/forums where we actually have links uh, that constantly update when we're going to have the next podcast and what time and all that. And you too can make an effort to be in the chat room, uh, specifically when we're recording, and uh, take part in in what we're going to do. Um, Absoluman, Absoluman. <laughs> Destreya says, "What? You mean they're not supposed to play this novel I wrote? What am I going to do with these six hundred pages?" Oh, that's well, too bad. If you made six hundred pages. And see, that's the problem. That's the problem with writing a campaign in that fashion. Right. When you create a holocron, however, with lots of detail-free encounters and set pieces and equipment bundles and NPCs, it's all green. You can just apply it to whatever they go, wherever they do. Yep. So there you go. Beautiful. Yeah. So whatever are we going to do? I think that uh, I think that puts the wrap on a show. I think so. I've rambled on for quite some time. Thank you all for listening. Yeah, we've I, had some fun. Appreciate that. We've I had hope, a little I hope, bit hope of some fun. people got some useful advice out of it. We've had a little bit of fun. We had a little bit of drink. We had some fun and drink, and we're you've had you've had you've had a lot to drink, dude. I have had a little bit. I've had two of these glasses. See these big red glasses right here. See, mm-hmm. two of them. Well, well, there you go. Yep. So I mean, that equates to like maybe three or four shots over the course of an hour and a half. So that's a little bit a lot. A little bit of a lot, considering that. You know, I don't weigh as much as I used to. Yeah, that yeah, your uh, your ability to tolerate has gone down ever so slightly. Right, but what, my bed is only about of a hundred pounds in nine months. My bed you is only twenty feet away. <laughs> you're gonna crawl there ever so slowly. Promise me, you're gonna get the cast posted first at the very least. Oh, of course, absolutely. Why not? Well, guys, thanks for listening in. If you guys have any topics you'd like to discuss on the show, please go ahead and email us or get to the forums. Let us know. Call the Lusa line. And uh, with that, I wish everyone a happy holidays and uh, peace, love, and good gaming. And keep them dice a rolling. This is the Sith Princess. Because I never listen to Order 66. It's because Zarissa keeps grounding me. Wow. How terrible is that? This is Django Fett, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Damn Jedi's. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com. This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at StarWars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at Wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Daydreaming with GM Dave. Well, it's time for the episode 47 post-show called Daydreaming with GM Dave. Is that what it's called? Is that what it's called? So, all right. So the Cowboys are going to play the Baltimore Ravens tomorrow. Do you know why I hate the Baltimore Ravens? 
Oh, you, you you know you know GM Dom Dominic. He he's uh, one of my fellow judges at Gen Con. He's in Baltimore right now, and he's a Raven fan. Is he really? Oh yeah. Well, Baltimore Ravens made the mistake of signing a spare to fair wide receiver. Ooh. Named Germany Thompson one day. So that's why I hate the Baltimore Ravens. Again, you're bringing in pointless references from work. Absolutely no one pointless. Absolutely pointless. But, you know, my hatred knows no bounds. Yeah, we know that. It's pretty good. I think we should rename the segment Day Drinking with GM Dave. Day Drinking with... Hey, uh, you know, it's not, it's not really... <laughs> It's not my I'm not, point I'm not, is I'm not, proven. I'm not really drunk by any stretch of the imagination here. Am I slurring my words? Am I am I am I actually uttering the word storm pooper truetry? <laughs> and well, I, I did yeah. that while completely sober. I'm just I'm just kind of um, I'm just kind of in a daze right now. I'm just I'm here. I'm floating. I feel great. Close it's, your eyes. It's a Friday night. Move, move to your happy cave. My happy there place. There you find your power animal. Oh, that's my happy place. My happy place. And so those of you, I'm, do we have any listeners in Philadelphia? Dave? Yes. Slide. Okay. I don't know if we have any listeners in Philadelphia or not. Anyway, the Philadelphia reference comes in because, okay, I told you guys about Facebook last week, right? That I discovered Facebook and I've discovered all these. You discovered it. It didn't exist before you were well, on <laughs> You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I got like some invitation from somebody because I had a Facebook page that I'd completely forgotten about, and there it is, you know? So, uh, anyway, I, I, I've started finding all these friends, some people that I work with, some people that I went to high school with, some people that I went to middle school with, and then one found me. All right, no. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. I don't know how the scenario went anyway. Yesterday, I started switching. I started flying back with, with little messages back and forth with the very first girl I ever had a big crush on when I was like 12. Now, okay. isn't, isn't that freaking hilarious? Well. And she lives in Philadelphia. I'm trying to remember, the first girl I ever had a crush on, I was much younger than 12. I think I was 8 or 9, and her name was Terry Tryon. That's a fake name. Uh, shit you not, man. It was her name. Okay. And uh, we kissed under a jungle gym. <laughs> I, re I remember that distinctly. Okay. So, uh, uh, see, I, I could never. I, I was a timid kid, and this girl was. You? Just, no. This girl was absolutely beautiful in my mind, anyway. She had these eyes that would kill you, these deep blue eyes that she still has today on her, on her Facebook profile that just jump off the page at you, anyway. They're beautiful eyes. And I never, I never really talked to her. I don't think, you know, it was high school before we really started talking and all that, and it was too late for anything like that. So anyway, she's moved off to Philadelphia. I, I missed the boat on yet another one. And anyway, no, I, 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 you know what? I am, I am perfectly beautifully happy with my family right now. So no, I didn't miss the boat. It's just, you know, it's one of those little connections that you always think about in your mind. Boy, what if I'd have done something different when I was freaking 13 years old? <laughs> I don't think anything would have come of it. Do you? No. Well, honestly, do you really think that being, you know, uh, dating someone when you're 13 would result at all with you being with them when you're an adult? Uh, it did Doubtful. for it did for a friend of mine. 
Yeah, but that's so rare. I, I can't know. even tell you. Yeah, I know. It is it is absolutely rare. So anyway, wherever you are, Sherry, in Philadelphia. Yep. You were the apple of my eye once. 27 years ago. <laughs> you know, I think you're starting to use the podcast as a form of catharsis, Dave. This is very not healthy. It's not cathartic. It's just, it's funny. It's it's fun. It, I, you know, it's not on, you know, anyway. It happened. It was fun and it was, I don't know. It's it's getting in touch with your old roots is what it is. You're, I don't know. Oh, dude, you know, they got the Greek, Grecian formula for men. It gets in touch with your old roots. Oh, dude, I don't need any of that. Yeah. I need nothing I of that. Okay, so speaking of the Baltimore Ravens, they're coming to town tomorrow, and the Dallas Cowboys will be playing against them, and I hope they win because I, never mind, I've gotten into this already, right? I hate the Baltimore Ravens. Yes. And I don't really like them either. And Well, I hope you hate them. They, you know, although they have some purple in their uniforms, and I really like purple. You know? So, I, I don't know what the deal is. Anyway, I, I wanted to see Seven Minutes today. My wife wanted to go see Seven Minutes, and we didn't seven go see pounds. it. Huh? You mean seven pounds? Seven. <laughs> yeah. Seven, seven pounds? Seven pounds. Seven. <laughs> the Will Smith movie. Like, seven pounds. It's seven pounds. Seven pounds. Seven pounds. All right. Seven pounds. Seven lira. Seven pounds. Seven rubles. Whatever it is. I wanted to go see it. My wife uh, wasn't feeling very well. She is sleeping in the other room. The same bed that's only 15 feet away from me that I really want to just go sleep in later because I'm tired and I just I feel the slightest bit off probably due to the alcohol in your system yeah but you know it's just a little bit Dave it's junk drink let me tell you what and furthermore it's rum you don't handle rum well dude I've seen it it's rum and it's triple sec dude yeah that's that's really 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 bad and it's really sunny bad. D did I ever tell you about the first time I got my wife drunk did she have Funyuns? No. Okay. No. So, like, <clears throat> first time I met my wife, she was, she was, you know, I didn't have a problem drinking, but she was not a big drinker. <clears throat> and there really hadn't even been a time in her life, uh, even, you know, halfway through college at that point, that she'd ever just been rip-roaring drunk, okay? So, we have these friends that like to throw themed parties, and they threw an 80s party, and oh, it was just fantastic. Yeah. I went to a thrift store and I got a white linen summer suit for like 10 bucks and I threw it on and I rolled the sleeves up on the jacket and I found a pink t-shirt that I wore underneath it with like white deck shoes and like a gold chain and I had this Don Johnson look going on. It was freaking hilarious. And then my wife with her beautiful red hair, she like teased it out and then she found this uh, like denim loopy dress uh, with white heads and a big floppy shirt button up with a belt worn over it with bangled bracelets and did this Molly Ringwald look. It was fantastic. So anyway, we go to this party, right? And we're, we're drinking. We're having a great time. And people are just handing my wife stuff. And she was drinking everything. I mean, it, we, 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 at, this point, at one point, it just became a game because she wouldn't say no and she didn't know any better. Um, she mixed that night many different kinds of beer, wine, rum, gin, vodka, tequila, um, wine coolers, oh, and sake. Oh! Yeah, and 
she was drinking all these various drinks and, and mixing and you know, tasting them. But at the same time, she was also playing uh, drinking Jenga because we have a version of drinking Jenga where it's just a game of Jenga. But on the bottom of all the pieces, uh, we've written stuff. Either either drink one, drink two, drink three, or pour one, pour two, pour three. And there's a communal cup. So if you get a drink, you have to drink however many it tells you to. Or if you pour, you have to pour into the communal cup. And whoever topples the Jenga drinks the communal cup, right? Oh. So my wife played Jenga and lost twice. Oh. <laughs> all right. I mean, oh, God. So, and I guess it's about, it was probably about one in the morning. And she is just, she's literally all toppling over herself. And I'm like, okay, I, I got to get her back to the, back to the apartment. So I, we, we say our adieus to everybody. And I throw her arm over my neck and I'm carrying her out. And she's just so happy. And I put her in the car and um, I get in the car myself and I look over at her and I go, I go, baby, are you okay? And now, what do you think I mean when I say, are you okay? Meaning, do you need to go to the hospital for alcohol poisoning? Ah, she wasn't that bad. But, um... Meaning, are you about to throw up all over me? Yeah, that's my answer. Are you about to, are you about to Ralph in my car, okay? And she looks at me and she goes, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm just fine. So I go, okay. So I start driving. 20-minute drive back to the house. We're driving, we're driving, we're driving, we're driving. Ten minutes into the drive, I get this. Oh. Oh. I'm like, oh, God. All right. Now, this is my, this is a long time ago. So this is my ghetto hoopty. All right. No power, nothing. No power locks, no power windows. So I'm driving with my left hand. I reach over with my right and I'm turning the little window crank, getting the window down. The moment it's down. I grab her the back of her head and I shove her head out the window on the freeway going about 65 and uh, <laughs> the wind's blowing in there and I'm like, you know, okay, because you know the fresh air helps. It's just, you know, and she's like, <laughs> and I'm like, is that better, baby? Uh-huh, uh-huh, I feel better, I feel better. Okay, so we do this for the remaining 10 minutes on the way home. Yeah. We finally pull into the parking lot of my crappy little apartment complex, and I park the car, I rush out, I open the passenger door, she swings her legs out, okay, and she's, she's still sitting, but her legs just are hanging out, and she kind of leans over just a little bit and just stares down at those new white kids and just goes, and it was that long just insane all right i could not move her from that position she we sat there for a, almost an hour and a half she puked seven times oh so they're still new kids they're just not clean kids well they're they're kids in a dumpster somewhere i don't know but um Finally, I just kind of picked her up and dragged her to the grass, the little grassy area in front of the apartment complex. Now, this is college. I live in a third floor walk up. <laughs> okay. And I'm, it's like it's three in the morning at this point. I, I can't carry her up three flights of stairs. Wench. So I, I go upstairs and I, I wake up my roommate um, who's got the other room in the apartment. And, uh, and I'm like, dude, you know, come on, man, come help me. This is actually cool, dude. He's this guy who actually uh, was part of my original D and D group, and uh, he's like, he's like, dude, no, screw you, I'm sleeping. I'm like, help me, bring her upstairs. 
And um, so we, we go downstairs, and I get her by the arms. He grabs her ankles, and we haul her up three flights of stairs. I just kind of deposit her in my bathroom and uh, clean her up a little bit and get her a pillow and a blanket and spend the night on the tile with her. And that was when I knew. It was true love, man. It was true love right there, man. I'll do it. Oh, wow. I guess that's when you know it's true love. Yeah. For me, it was, it was, I, I knew I was hooked. I knew I was absolutely hooked when in the middle of the night at like 2.30 in the morning, Taylor, who is at this time nine, and, and yes, I will say that before we got married, I was indeed spending the night. And... Oh, whoa, Dave, I, I don't think we could be friends anymore. I know. I'm a terrible, terrible person. But now, of course, things are, things are different. I must, I must absolutely imperative. It's imperative to me that I teach my daughter to make informed decisions when it comes to those types of things. Now that she's about to be a teenager and all the boys, because she is she is a very attractive little 12, 13-year-old, and all the she boys... She looks like she's 16, dude. She does look like she's 16. She's Anyway, and she's got the prettiest eyes, and all the boys like her. And it's just a matter of time before that. Ooh, dude, if I was you, I'd be sitting on the porch with a shotgun and a freaking shovel, man. I'd be inspecting every date with a fine-tooth comb, man. Well, okay, I don't have the shotgun, but I do have a 270 caliber rifle. So. Ah, you don't get the head splatter. It's not the same. I know, but still. Anyway. We need to get the shotgun. It's all right. It's still a gun. It's still a bolt action. It still goes... It can can still scare the crap out of a little kid. Anyway, I digress. It's very important for me... To establish the right morals and the right decision-making ability, I think it's very naive of me to say, "Don't ever do that." You know, I mean, those are the attitudes of our parents, right? Yeah, and it sure stopped us, didn't it? Yeah, obviously. So, I hey, wait a second. You know, I was one, and you know what? Maybe the gamer nation will kill me, but I was one that actually waited until I got married. It's true. It's true. Sure, it is. It is, man. It is. I'm. I'm not lying. This time. No. I promise. Anyway, as long as I equip her to make the best decisions possible, and hopefully, like, teach her what it is and why it is that boys just think with their little whatevers. As long as they have covers on their whatevers, then I guess that's pretty much where I have to go with it. Uh see, I, I got a problem. I hope to God when I have a child and. If TG has her way, it'll be soon. Um, I hope to God when I have a child, it's a boy. Because seriously, man, I just... I pity the fool that will date my daughter. Uh, it's just because, you know what? I, I'm a guy. And I was... I was Especially as a teenager, I was a, I was a sleazy little guy. And I know it's like... You know, I, I just can't... Lo- I can't look at a kid my daughter's going to date and be like, Oh, very nice to meet you, Joseph. Oh, yes, uh... Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, yeah, because I know exactly what he's thinking. I know exactly what he wants. I know exactly what's running through his beady little eyes yeah. behind him in his head, both of them. And I know exactly what's – because cause I, cause I was the same way because I was a guy. I'm a guy. Hey, what What do you want? You know, so I yeah, – yeah. I'm still a guy. I'm still a guy. We're both still guys. We know exactly how guys think. 
And we know, especially when you're 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 year olds, that you're not thinking with your brain. Well, no, you, when you're 13, 14, 15, you're, you're thinking only one thing, basically. So that's pretty much it. Yeah. So yeah, I pity the fool that tries to date my daughter. What are you going to do? Yep. What are you going to do? Yep. I, that's why I've told Taylor. If you, you know, convince her to become a, the, I'll convince her to become a nun. I think that's the best solution. The first boy you come home with, you better not like him all that much. That's why I told her. It's very important to me not to. Yeah, but she's a smart cookie. She's going to bring back a. Uh, she's going to bring back a total, like douchebag that she doesn't even like, just so you can have your have a swat at him. Oh, I yeah. guess so. But see, I'm smart enough to where I will know and I will be able to ascertain that, and I'll be able to. Sure, you are. Yeah. Anyway, maybe maybe I should augment it to like the first three boys that you bring home. You shouldn't like all that much. Eh. Well, yeah. yeah. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, yeah, I would, yeah, yeah, distraith. It would be great to lock up my daughter until she's 30, but that's not going to happen. Nah, nope. she'd break out. She's an yeah, uh, intelligent she, little girl. She is. She's smart, you know, so she will never bring a boy home, Strider says. Well, you know, I don't know about that, but anyway. Yeah, I have to sit him down on the couch. What are your intentions toward my daughter? Sir, yeah, I'm sure that'll go over really well. I know. I already scared the crap out of one of those little boys. It's called. They called it like 1:30 in the morning. Oh, that's a no-no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really bad. 1:30 in the morning, and I picked up the phone and I said hello. And now, to this kid's credit, this was a this was a Friday night. I normally, I normally let my daughter talk on the phone till after midnight on Friday nights. It really doesn't matter, you know. She gets one night a week where she gets to stay up late. And so, anyway, she fell asleep. This kid calls at 1.30, which is way later than I usually than I let her stay on the phone. To this kid's credit, and I told Taylor the next day, this kid's credit, he did not hang up on me when he knew that I answered the phone. And this is a this is like a 12 or 13 year old. Dude, I would have hung up and been running. That yeah, kid's got some balls. That's good. Got yeah. some chutzpah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He got some moxie. Anyway, this kid's name is Zach. And oh, he's a douche. No, I don't think I don't I don't think he is. Anyway, and he he and he I could tell it take it took some time for him to compose himself because he was like I could just hear his terror on the other end of the line. He was like, (laughs) and then he asks, "Is Taylor there?" And I said, "Zach," and he said, "Yes, sir." I said, "Son, it's one thirty in the morning." I said. Taylor has rules about when and when she, when she can and when she cannot use the phone. And I would appreciate it if you wouldn't call so late. I wasn't may I wasn't mean or horrible. I didn't yell at the kid. I didn't call him a douche. Sounds like he's a douche. And to this kid's credit, he said, "Okay." And he said, "I'm sorry, sir." And I said, "That's fine, Zach. I'll have her call you tomorrow." And he said, "Thank you." And he hung up the phone. So anyway, I told Taylor the next day, I said, your, your little boyfriend's going to call and say that, that your dad was mean to him. But I'll tell you, I wasn't mean to him at all. And now, okay, where this kid scored brownie points with me the next day is that he called Taylor and he said, you know, your dad answered the phone. And he told her exactly what I said. And then he said, he wasn't mean. I was expecting him to be mean to me. See? Well, 
You're a, you're a big teddy bear, Dave. You know, there's not much you can do about that. I guess, but still. It's Zach. It's Z-A-C-K. So, yeah, his parents, I guess, are, you know, they didn't know how to spell Zach in the traditional sense of the word. Maybe it was that they were Uh-oh, attempting to be a little bit different. Oh, uh, he's a douche. That's not what I, you know, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean they didn't know. I just, they decided to spell it in a non-traditional manner. It's part of the American prerogative at this point to stop all forms of douchebaggery. Douchebaggery. Like, yeah, like nosing out of a parking spot? Quiet. Okay. Hey, you know, no, I do that, that, is, that is not douchebaggery. That is, that is, that is, I am planning ahead uh-huh. to, to exit the parking space in an easier That's way. All right. than That's all right, man. At work, at work, you know, I park right next to the guy who used to be my boss. And up until today, anyway, he was my boss. <laughs> Anyway, we both nose out. We have, like, we're both four truck men. That's what I am. Anyway, so it's understood that that's four truck row right there, and we all nose out. And so that's fine. Everybody noses out. We're planning ahead. So, anyway, Gamer Nation begin sending us, begin sending us, um, podcast titles. Podcast title. That's right. Yes, Emination. What should we call this episode? My first thought that it's always Sherry in Pennsylvania, in in Philadelphia. How about that? Yeah, I don't think that's very. No, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Isn't that how it goes? Well, good show, but hey. no, yeah. I, I think it should probably be related to what the cast was about, not so much the the daydreaming. The you know, daydreaming. Oh well. Well, you know, hey. Well, you know, just attack of the moobs. What's a moob? Attack of the moobs. The moobs of what's a moob? I have no idea where the heck the moob came from. Oh, man, boob. Oh, Brev set the tone for the episode. Yeah, but you see, people, people that are you know not not watching, they they didn't get a chance to see the man boobs. So this is this is very you know not that good of an idea. The drunken Wookie show. That's that's interesting. Hmm. Well, you know, I would expect. I don't, that... I don't know. I don't know. The, the the man boobs of GM Brev is a pretty good title. Um, the Campaignacron, the whole Harry Holocrons. You know, I mean, we've got we've got 50, <laughs> holy we've got, we've got fifty three of you in the chat room now. You know, I mean, I'm expecting a little bit more moxie, a little bit more yeah. chutzpah, more, a little more chutzpah, a little more, uh, a little more, a little more something. I didn't lose geek cred. Screw you, Fiddleback. Yeah, you heard me. You heard me, all you Star Trek fans. Oh. You can, when you're ready to put down your phasers and pick up a real sci-fi setting, you can, you can shoot me an email. Douche. I'm, I'm down. That's right. Episode 47. Drunk Wookies and Douchebags. I think we can put douchebag in the title. I think that might cause problems. It might. Putting the hootspot in your campaign. These are these are less cohesive, guys. Seriously, I'm expecting better than this. You know? I know, I know. Episode forty-seven. Who moved my holocron? Hmm. GM Chris punks up the show. Mm. I really like GM Brev's man boobs as a good one for this one. Oh no, no. See, that's drawing on video cast. Oh, I know. It's just so fun. It had nothing just, to do with the actual podcast itself. This is, this is, this is, we talked about campaigns. 
and stuff. We talked Harry Holocron's not too bad. BBEGs, over planning, and sessions and campaigns and suspending the rules about ripping your arms off. Hmm. Tipsy tips and holocron maintenance. That's that's not bad. Tipsy Ooh, tips tip, and holocron hijinks. Very. We have alliteration. Dude. That's brilliant. Alliteration is perfect, man. Uh, See? Putting the pain, putting the pain in campaign. Except that pain doesn't have a G in it. That's close. That's pretty good, Fiddleback. Yeah, I I think we'll we'll give this one to a combination of mostly Joe and Destreth. Yeah, tip, tips, tipsy tips and holocron hijinks. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. Winner, winner! Yes, winner. Yo, Levin winner. Pay the line, take the don't. Yes, sirree. Anyway, we wish everyone in the States and everyone who is not currently lighting their menorahs and actually everyone who's lighting their menorahs we wish a very happy Hanukkah some others we wish we wish a very Merry Christmas some others we wish a very happy Festivus and two others we wish a happy Kwanzaa Two others, I hope you had a, an outstanding Ramadan, although that's already passed, I think. Or is Ramadan in January? I don't remember. I think it's in January. I honestly don't remember, but I will not exclude those of other religions, even though I do not profess to know everything about them. In this, the holiday season, in these, the odds, we wish everyone peace, love, and good gaming. And a happy holiday.